Hands on the grass, others sip cappuccino at a nearby coffee shop, and one couple grabs an impromptu swing dance near the fountain. A block away at the Brookings Institution, crowds and gatherings are among the topics that interest Rob Axtell and Josh Epstein. As social scientists, they like to figure out the forces behind big group behaviors like migration, economics, population growth, and the spread of disease. But unlike other social scientists, they're not content with watching people move from place to place or monitoring international trade. Instead, they made a little computer world they call the Sugarscape. Then they threw in a few handfuls of independent cyber people or agents. And as Josh Epstein says, they set them loose to see what happens naturally. Agents come into the world with different attributes. One of them is vision, how far to the north, south, east, and west they can see. And another is metabolism, which is how quickly they burn the sugar that they gather. And their rule is really very simple. It's just look around as far as your vision permits and go find the biggest sugar square you can and eat it. But don't step on anybody else's square. We make them nice to begin with. We make them less nice later. But at first, it's just look around for the best meal that's free and go eat it. Across the office, Rob Axtell hits a few keys on his Macintosh keyboard, and a view of their artificial world appears on the screen. Like in the squirrel game, we have an aerial view. Most of the world is white, the barren desert, the badlands. But in two corners, there are yellow hills, the rich sugar mountains. Rob clicks his mouse and places about a hundred blue dots all over the screen. The simulation is paused, so they're not moving yet. Each blue dot represents a cyber person. Like my squirrels, each one is an independent agent. Thinking locally, acting locally. Okay, so I'll hit the button here and it'll uh, take off running. Instantly the screen comes alive with scurrying blue dots. They look like a bunch of blue ants running around randomly. Then they start to cluster swarming on the two sugar mountains like two armies of picnic pests. This swarm, this gathering around each mountain, was never actually programmed into the computer. Each ant-like dot is just looking for food for itself. It really doesn't care what the other ants are doing. But collectively, they create a swarm, or a crowd. Artificial life researchers like Josh Epstein would say that this swarm grew, or emerged, from the simple rules of each ant. And there are a whole variety of other things that we can grow using just the rules we've articulated. Just look around for your best sugar and eat it. For example, if you introduce seasons into the artificial world and ask, will agents sort of migrate with the seasons? Uh, we find that, yes, they, they will do that. And in fact, uh, that's a good model of migration in response to environmental catastrophe. By adding more rules, even more lifelike patterns arise. For example, Axtell and Epstein can tell each agent to bequeath any extra sugar to its children when it dies. This might not seem like a big deal, but it slowly alters cyber society. For one thing, natural selection slows down. Before, only those with vision good enough to spot sugar from afar survived. Now, even agents with bad eyesight can thrive if they inherit enough sugar. Another thing that develops after a few generations is that a small percentage of the population ends up with the largest percent of the world's sugar wealth. Divide the agents into red and blue tribes, toss in some more rules for trade, credit, disease, and combat, and these social tinkerers end up with incredibly complex societies.
if you let these things run long enough, you find whole epochs of behavior. The reds will invade the blue area, and it looks like the blues are on the verge of extinction, but they'll throw the blues out, and uh, then there'll be some period of retrenchment where the societies don't interact very much, and then there'll be border skirmishes at the zone where they meet. And most of the sorts of little group interactions you find are eventually pop up and emerge. We showed this run to some archaeologists and uh, asked them, does it remind them of anything? To which they responded affirmatively that uh, there were several different kinds of uh, stories about the past that this uh, was reminiscent of. We actually are involved in a project with two archaeologists to try to grow the history of the Anasazi, an ancient Native American tribe in the southwest that flourished between the years 400 AD and 1400 and then disappeared. It's one of the big mysteries in, in archaeology. And the archaeologists...